and welcome to Feed and Flourish, the bite-sized podcast series from the Closters Forum with me, Hannah McInnes. In this series, I'll be talking to experts about biodiversity and about ways in which we can transform our food systems in order to positively preserve our planet. The Closters Forum brings together thought leaders and decision makers in the Swiss Alps to inspire discussions and cultivate collaborations around some of the world's most pressing environmental challenges. My name is Michelle Grant, and I'm the founder of The Grateful, and I'm also an education director and teaching faculty at ETH Zurich. And in all these roles, I'm really interested in how we can build a more sustainable world through how we engage with food and also how we live and lead. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit more about that. ETH Zurich is a very renowned institution, but for those who don't know, I'm sure some people listening might not could you tell us a little more about it and what you do there? Sure. So in 2011, I was the founding executive director of a new competence center at the university, which um, had the aim to bring all the different expertise that we had across this huge institution um, together to try and play a role in, in tackling these big food system and sustainability challenges in the world. Um, So I spent six years setting up the centre together with, um, we have around 40, 42 different faculty members, um, and building up our projects in in research and education and outreach. And all of them had the intention of helping people work across disciplines and sectors and scales to try and generate innovative solutions to, to big food system challenges. Um, And I remain at the center now, but just part-time and I look after our education programs. So we have um, different activities that help people um, looking to have a career in in the food space, um, learn about the challenges that we're facing in the world, the solution approaches, and really explore how they can engage with creating change. And I know it's a whole course for your students, and I'm very wary of asking people to break such enormous issues down into bite size. But when you talk about the problems we face with regards, of course, to food systems, food security and preserving the biodiversity of the planet and the health of the environment, what are the biggest problems, do you think? What are the most urgent issues? Yeah, I think when it comes to food, there are many, many topics we could talk about. And that's personally why I find food such a fascinating place to work, because it is really the interface between us human beings and the environment and and all of the challenges um, that that faces. I like to think about food systems and the desired outcomes that we would like to have from them. The first one is obviously food and nutrition security for everyone on the planet. The second one is environmental sustainability, that we can do this in a way that, that sustains the environment on which it's dependent. And then the third one is is linked really to social well-being, that we can also do this in a way that everybody involved in producing our food is able to earn enough to, to live well themselves and to, to feed and nourish their families. And if we look at all of these three outcomes, um, unfortunately, we are pretty far away from a desired outcome for all of them. And in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic, um, you know, these these areas are being challenged even more. So if we look at food and nutrition security, you know, we have around um, 2 billion people on the planet who are suffering from overweight or obesity and some of the health impacts that are associated with that. We have nearly a billion people who are hungry and that's 
a number that is expected to at least double in light of what's happening with the COVID-19 pandemic. And then on top of that, we have 2 billion people who are suffering from what's called hidden hunger, which means they might be getting enough food, but doesn't have the micronutrients, vitamins, minerals that they need to live a healthy life. So even looking at the first outcome of food systems, food and nutrition security, we're really, really far away from where we want to be globally. And then if we look at these other areas, um, for for example, social well-being, um, that's really linked to this first area of malnutrition because most of the hungry people on the planet are actually involved in producing food for their livelihoods. And I think that that's a critical key for us to tackle some of these challenges. How can we find a way to make sure that people involved in producing our food, and that's not just farming, it's also the transportation and the sales and working in food service. How can we make sure that everybody playing a role in in nourishing us all earns enough to be able to nourish themselves and their family? Yeah, and then if we look at the environmental side of of the uh, impacts, you know, food is the major driver of biodiversity loss globally. It's linked to around 30% of all greenhouse gas emissions globally and uses sort of between 70 to 80% of all our freshwater resources. So, yeah, in terms of global challenges, I think food really sits at the centre of many of them. And who do you think is responsible for enacting change? Do we have to wait for big societal change and policy change from governments? Or are there things we can all do as individuals? I'm sure you'll say that we need both. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And I think it's the one that all of us struggle with. And I fully agree, we need change at both levels. We need to work out how we as individuals in our daily actions, in how we shop, cook and eat, can play a a role in creating change. Um, But we also have to remember, we're not just eaters, right? We're we're citizens who can vote, we're professionals, um, we have all kinds of different skills and and abilities that we can lend to, um, to different you know, organizations trying to tackle these challenges. And then on the other side of things, we need this big system change. We need government and industry and, and big organizations to really work out how can we change our food production systems so that they are more equitable, that they are more environmentally friendly, um, and that they play a role in in nourishing both people and the planet. Let's take individuals then for now, because there will be a lot of people listening to this podcast who wonder what they can do personally to help and to change their buying habits, their eating habits in order to do the right thing by the environment. What would your advice be to them? Yeah, I think I always struggle a little bit with this because food is a very emotional topic. It's deeply linked to our own culture, our own context, our own socioeconomic situation. Um, And so one has to be careful in uh, making too big generalizations around what we can do. So I think um, if if we speak very generally, all of us have a chance to become a little bit more mindful and intentional about how we engage with food. I think um, we live in a society that is very oriented towards convenience and moving quickly. And that sort of a lifestyle pulls us away from really being reflective on how we engage with food. So I think that's the first place is just slowing down a little bit and becoming reflective, understanding what the challenges are, and then thinking, okay, what are my values in this space? And what are my capabilities to actually engage with change? And, you know, I think the easiest place for many of us to start is is to think, okay, what's on our plate? And we have a lot of information here. The most 
I guess, well-known report in this space recently was the Eat Lancet report, which introduced this planetary health diet, which really emphasized putting fresh fruit and vegetables, whole grains, legumes, plant-based proteins at the front and center of what's on our plate and moving animal source products to the side. Now, they were very explicit in not saying it has to be a complete elimination, but um, based on our context and circumstances and health needs, how can we all look to move um, a little bit more towards this planetary health diet? So I think that's the that's definitely the place to start. And I find that as people start to um, become more mindful about what's on their plate, other questions start to, to come up as well. So, okay, now I'm eating more vegetables. That's great. But actually, how are these produced? And are the people involved in producing them earning enough money? And, you know, it brings up question after question, and I think we can then just continue to explore. And we also have to think about, you know, how we source our ingredients because it's not just what's on the plate, it's it's how they were produced. And to look for products that have been produced um, in production systems that are aligned, for example, with the principles of agroecology that look to minimize negative impact on the environment and, and even be regenerative and restorative. And also to think about, you know, how people are being paid that are producing the food. And right now we have labels that can help us there. Of course, there's a lot of critique of these. Generally speaking, they do seem to have some sort of positive impact. But the general consensus is we need to do much more if we really want to shift the system. And there's a lot more discussion now looking at landscape level interventions and um, having more holistic kind of value chain approaches to improving the, the share of value across the whole value chain. It sounds like the ideal scenario then is to really know more and more about where our food is coming from and to have a better relationship with the people who are making it and a better understanding of the people who are making it, which is obviously a wonderful sounding thing. But how do we do that? How do we deepen our understanding of those things of where our food is coming from and the people who are bringing it to us. Yeah, I think this brings us always to this question of, of transparency as well, because a lot of us engage with uh, food systems where we don't know a great deal about how the food is produced and maybe it's very far away. And that's not bad per se, but there are a lot of initiatives now to to try and make it much more transparent what's actually happening. Um, and it, what I'm finding really interesting in our current situation is um, people are very quickly becoming more connected to their local food system. So I know here in Switzerland, um, you know, direct buying from farmers. Um, we have an online fa- uh, sort of uh, farmer's market, which is a startup, and their orders have just gone through the roof. So there's been a very quick pivot here to people sourcing much more directly um, and a lot more exchange between producers and consumers. Um, for example, understanding that, Well, now restaurants are closing, so that means that some of the buyers for producers have disappeared, which is leaving them with a glut of products. So how can they get them to consumers who need them? And that's an issue that's happening all around the world. And through different apps and organizations, a lot of people are all of a sudden much more connected to to what's happening in their their local food system. Yes, it's really interesting. A common theme running through these podcasts is what we might take away and learn from this time. We are, of course, recording in very strange circumstances. Most of the world is on lockdown. And while it's devastating for so many people and for the restaurant sector, as you say, the fact that now people can't get hold of whatever it is they want when they want it, regardless of where it comes from or whether it's in season, is perhaps teaching those of us lucky enough to have that sort of a problem. 
about how we might live going forward. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting opportunity that we all have now as well is to just become more resourceful in all aspects of our life, also with food to, you know, instead of constantly seeking new and more and better to actually look at what we have and and what we can make with it. And, you know, that's always the challenge with food too. If we want to avoid food waste, we need to, you know, become aware of what resources we have in the house and cook with them before sort of going out and, and eating elsewhere. So a lot of the practices and the connection that's coming from this time, even if it's virtual, um, I hope, you know, will hold us over as we explore what a new normal looks like and hopefully have us all um, think about this idea of resourcefulness at a, at a different level. And do you think, lastly, that there's cause for optimism for the future, albeit cautious optimism? Clearly, a lot more people are engaging, aren't they, in these sorts of subjects now. Does that make you feel positive or do you predominantly still feel worried about what's to come? Yeah, I generally try to stay optimistic. I think that's both a practice and a um, a state of being. So I think it's very easy with dealing with these big global challenges um, to become overwhelmed and and hopeless and and sort of get really worried about the future. And, And I actively try and draw myself away from that because I think that that then diminishes our own power to act and and to be intentional. Um, And so I personally get the chance to engage with so many interesting people who are trying to do things differently, so many young people who really care about this topic and and want to take action at the individual level and at the systems level. Um, And then, you know, I wrote a book last year that tried to connect these topics on sustainability and food um, in in a very easy to digest way. And I've had so many people who you know, would never have been interested in this topic a few years ago, really say, well, thank you. This is all these questions that were coming up for me. And I, you know, didn't really know where to look for answers. So yeah, I'm seeing just a a big groundswell of interest in this topic. And I think the situation we find ourselves in now globally is allowing people, some people, the time to reflect on these these issues much more deeply and, and to think about what role they want to play in the future. Michelle, thank you very much indeed for joining us. We could talk for so much longer, but we're keeping bite-sized. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks so much for for leading this discussion and, and taking the time to chat today.